Good morning. Uh, I want to say happy Mother's Day to all our wonderful, amazing moms out there. Uh, we're blessed uh, for you and by you, and uh, we do pray that today you would feel a little extra special and loved. For us as a church, uh, I usually pull our, our staff every Mother's Day, and I say, okay, hey, uh, we want to do flowers this year, we want to do chocolates, we want to do what? And the vote always is chocolates. So um, we have a small gift of just appreciation and love for you moms uh, today. And um, I do want to, if I can, I want to use my pastor's card today and a little bit of pastoral authority and on two things. One is, if mom is still around for you, call your mom. Um, some of you know, and some of you are like me, my, my mom's not around anymore. Uh, so the gift of being able to call her and talk with her, uh, you, some of you have and some of us don't. And so if I can, just say, hey, call mom, grandma, aunties, mother-in-laws, I mean, every, every manner of mom, and sometimes even our own spiritual moms, and there's others who serve as like a surrogate mom to you, and we can appreciate and love them. And so if you have an avenue to contact them, then make sure you do that, okay? Uh, the second pastoral authority uh, card I'll play today is uh, if you are a mom, uh, no dishes or laundry or cleaning for you today, all right? Uh, husbands, dads, kids, you take care of it, or you can do what Ben and I do, just leave it tomorrow. Uh, so. I mean, don't leave it till tomorrow. That's what I mean, don't leave it till tomorrow. All right. Hey, I, I, I do want to say this too. I, I realize um, Mother's Day can be also kind of a tougher holiday for, for some, and so we want to certainly have uh, understanding of that. You know, um, like I mentioned, some, you know, our moms have, passed away, and so we, we, get to, we get to honor and cherish their memory and memories with them. And so if you're in that same category, uh, certainly we pray peace and comfort for you today. Uh, others aren't moms yet, um, but they are praying and they're wanting. It's a, a hope in their heart and uh, I'm waiting on God's perfect timing for a baby. And if you're in that category, we understand and we certainly pray uh, for comfort and, and believing and hope with you and for you, uh, for God's blessing. And, and so there's another category, just the day is just, you know, there's, there's painful memories there, there's wounds, and there's other things that are associated that can get stirred up, and so uh, we want to recognize that as well and just pray uh, healing and God's presence to be yours today. So and we, I think we understand, you know, biology alone doesn't define motherhood. As I mentioned earlier, we have adoptive moms and mother-in-laws and uh, grandmas that have become moms, and, and if you're like me, I have two. I have two stepmoms, and so, you know, blessed with a blended family in that regard. And uh, and so um, again, we want to honor just all categories of, of moms today, and, and that includes our single moms and our single dads that uh, you know have a double duty, and oftentimes just you know have to carry a little extra burden. And so, if it means anything, just we pray for you. We love you. Um, you know, just, and on the way out, if you feel like you want to grab extra talk, a whole handful, then go for that. And we do have actually a special, an additional special gift uh, for you on the way out. Um, also, some of you saw on the way in, the team made a, kind of a fun photo wall, and so we'd love for you to take advantage of that on your way out and just take some pictures with your family, and, and they made some fun signs and those kind of things, okay? Uh, it's great to see you guys. I, I do have some, uh, some announcements just before we get into James, and we are going to be in James. Normally in the years past, we've done a, a special Mother's Day message, but I thought, oh, we just started James, and so we're going to just continue to stay in James for this Sunday. But a few things I want to let you know about. So the women's bus tour that's happening this coming Saturday, I have good news and I have bad news. Uh, the good news is that we've had a great response in uh, and this is kind of leads us to the bad news. The bad news is the seats are full. And we weren't anticipating that, not because of our side, but the it's come, unfortunately, just the capacity due to certain venue locations and their restrictions is what then forced us to have to restrict ours. And we didn't know that until this past week. So I, I apologize uh, if you're hoping maybe to try to um, you know, do that today. Uh, as a concession, we are going to be doing another women's event next month. Um, here at the church, it'll be a lot of fun, and seem like the bus idea is kind of a neat one, and we'll see how it goes, and so 
If you missed this bus, then the hope is that we'll have another bus uh, coming uh, in the next season, okay? So that's the women's bus tour. And, and if you did sign up, if you are able to pay today, uh, that would be tremendously helpful. We've got to get the money to the bus company and the different venues. And so if you can pay today, that would be great. Also, uh, for the month of May, the, the last Sunday of the month, uh, just as a special announcement, we're having our Youth Servant Sunday. And we love your kids and what God's doing amongst the young people. And, and they are part of the church too, although they have a, a separate service concurrent to this one. But uh, we do from time to time just uh, want to empower them and provide space for them to share their gifts and serve the body and, and all manner uh, that where they want to and can. And we want to encourage them to do that. And so we're going to be doing that at the last Sunday of the month. They'll have a youth worship team. They'll help the usher, and, and many of them try to petition to do valley parking, so we'll see how that works. But, uh, and then actually our, our high school uh, ministry pastor, uh, Josh Hagan, is going to be our guest speaker uh, that morning. Well, he was leading worship this morning. So, uh, And then a fun event on Memorial Day. Uh, I realize it's not a holiday for everybody, um, but for most of the um, our American church members, on Monday, on Memorial Day, we haven't been able to do this the last two years, maybe two, two or three years, but uh, we're going to be having our family day, fun day of kickball. That's been our tradition. And we've reserved two fields at a local park not too far away from here on the uh, Nakagusku side, uh, close to the ocean. And so the two big fields, there's one we're going to have for kind of the bigger game, and so the adults and the bigger kids and the other field, I'm going to be on with the younger kids and the littles. Uh, so I've learned uh, over the years a hard lesson that our church is pretty competitive. And I realize over the season, some of you, especially some of the ladies, right, have uh, been doing kickball uh, lately. But our church can be pretty competitive. And I've, I've served as a referee, and that's not, that's not a good place to serve. Uh, especially as the pastor, they just yell at me and all these things. And, and so it's a dangerous. I'm like, all right, I'm going to play with the kids there. They're much more um, my level. So, And the last thing I want to share with you guys is we've been announcing uh, we have a missions trip that is planned uh, actually in a couple of weeks here, so it's coming quickly. If you'd like to be a part of that, I invite you to sign up, and, and you can talk with Jason. Uh, we're excited to see what God is going to do. It's a place called Ishinomaki. It's in the northern part of Japan in the general area of Sendai. Uh, several years ago, that's one of the places that was um, heavily impacted by the tsunami and the earthquake. Uh, it's a, a place that we have gone to in the past. We have a great relationship with some of the missionaries and the pastors that are there. Uh, and we've done some work there in the past, and so we want to be able to go back and just check in on the work and see what we can do and how we might be able to be a blessing to you know, the work that God's doing there. And so uh, there's an invitation for you, but with that, uh, I asked Jason to come, and he's going to give some more information uh, about the trip, and so uh, we'll have Jason come up. So, Thank you, Pastor Rick. Hey, church family. Uh, so I just want to give uh, just an overview of what the, tri the trip is going to be like. As Pastor Rick said, uh, this is a church that we've had a connection with in the past, and so our heart is uh, just be able to love on that community and serve that community and also do some outreach for that community as well. And so the uh, church is set up like the first floor is set up like a cafe and the second floor is set up as a preschool. And so, and that's the major ministry they've had in the past was that it was a cafe uh, because of COVID that cafe hasn't really been able to be used, but it's still set up in that way. And we're just going to be able to take advantage of that for the mission trip as well. And so the first event we're going to do when we get there is actually we're going to be doing a Nintendo Switch tournament for the kids. They've had that as a thing that has uh, sparked a lot of interest among uh, different students. So between first grade all the way to through middle school, high school. And so we're going to split them up, though, into different groups and try to connect them to basically you guys who serve on the trip, who feel called to be able to serve on this trip. And so what we're going to do then is... Uh, afterwards, the day afterward, we're going to do kind of an after-school mini VBS type event, and we're going to try to reach out to those those kids that we've then just had that connection with, and then try to connect them to the children's ministry at that church and start, help to kind of grow that. And then the day after that, we're actually going to have, uh, in the morning time, we're going to do some evangelism, 
and then we are going to invite some people, and especially focusing on the middle school, high schoolers, to then connect them to doing a uh, like a live music type of event. And then we're going to be able to, uh, through that, be able to connect some of those those students to a uh, to the church in general, but also to a youth uh, the youth ministry and try to help grow that as well. And then the last day, we're going to be doing a little bit of sightseeing and then just doing some uh, just general work at the church of doing painting or cleaning or just general things that the church might need. And so it's a good time to get out there and uh, re-spark that connection, but also to be able to reach out to the people that are in that area. Okay. So I'll turn it back over to Pastor. Thanks, Jason. Thank you very much. Yeah. So the cafe that serves as a church is right across the street from an elementary school, that same elementary school that when the tsunami happened, they used as a, a shelter for the, uh, many of the families that lost their homes and um, even lost some family members. Uh, in fact, we as a church were able to help donate a number of the beds that they used up there. We partnered with an organization in the States that supplied those things, and we had the blessing to, in a sense, kind of be the hands and feet of the Lord uh, through various donations and provided some support and supplies and those things. So uh, I'm looking forward just to seeing, you know, be able to revisit and see what God has done and, and what God continues you know, to want to do. And so we'd love for you to be a part of that if you can. Okay, and if you can't go, we covet your prayers just to pray over, you know, the trip that's happening. All right? Okay, well, let's jump in. We're in the book of James. If you have a Bible, you can turn to James. If you don't have a Bible, uh, here's LJ. You can't miss him. He's in bright yellow today with shoes that match. You can raise your hand and just wave at him and we'll be happy to let you borrow a Bible. We started a new series in the book of James last week. If you weren't with us, I um, invite you to check out the podcast and or our live stream archive and you can go back and, and get the introduction to that as we started our new series. And we're going to be looking, we're in James chapter 1 still, looking at the next set of verses, in verses 2 through 4. And this morning I entitled our message, The Joy, or Joy from Trials. And we'll see how we can extract what God has for us as we encounter hardships and the blessings that might be found in the midst of those hardships. We're also going to be praying for the Gerber family in this dreaded thing called PCS season. Uh, I just kind of have a love-hate relationship with PCS. Uh, it's a blessing that God has used that for many of our families to bring you here, and we get to do life in community with you, and so that is a gift and a treasure as it's been with the Gerbers, uh, but it's that same season that also then sends many of you away, which uh, can be rough, rough at times. But um, as I often say, uh, we pray you back, and that's uh, been true of many families. We've prayed them back uh, and or... At least for me and my family, we're kind of like a toe fungus. You don't get rid of us. And so we might show up at your place, <laughs> stateside, unexpected. Oh, there it is. There we are. But, uh, uh, so we prayed, we prayed for, um, uh, oh, who prayed for first service? My brain just fell out of my head. The Johnsons. So Kelsey and Austin, they're taken off. We're praying for the Gerbers. But is there anybody else that I miss? I know that Matt Haley has one more Sunday and... Sometimes I tease if you're like, I'm um, visiting today. You're like, yeah, I think it'll be my last Sunday. We'll pray for you. We'll pray for you. All right. We're going to pray for the Gerbers as well. But uh, if you're there, James chapter 1, I invite you to stand with me as we read the scriptures. I'll pray for our time, and I'm going to pray for the Gerbers too. Let me just back up to verse 1. It helps to keep our context. Of course, we know who the author is, the audience is. It says, James, a bondservant of God of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greetings. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But he says, let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect. Or another translation says, that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. All right, we'll pause there, and uh, would you join me as we pray and ask God to bless our time of study and for the Gerber family. Lord, we're, we're grateful for the day. We're grateful for your grace in our lives. 
We're grateful for the work that you do in each of us, even as we'll talk about today. And just the imagery of Jeremiah that you gave, where you instructed the prophet to go to the potter's house and to observe the master potter as he worked on that piece of clay as a a very vivid illustration of you, Lord, the creator, the master potter of our life, as you work in and through and with us, as you shape and mold our life into conforming to Christ and Christ-likeness. And Lord, at times it's a difficult work, at times it's things that we maybe don't enjoy or understand, and yet, Lord, you know exactly what and why you're doing what you're doing, and God, I pray that you'd help us just to yield to that work, trusting you. And Lord, even as we study your word today and we get a glimpse of what you're doing and why you're doing that, Lord, we pray that our hearts will be open to your truth. Father, we're also blessed how you bless us with relationships and familyships in Christ. We, we love the Gerbers so much. It, it's, it hurts to have to say, uh, see you later. But we trust that, Lord, they belong to you and this next place where you're going to bring them, that, God, you're going to go ahead of them. And we pray by faith you'll provide a great community and friends and the next unit for Josh to plug into. And, Lord, and even above and beyond that, just the next church and the fellowship that they find, that they might continue to grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, Lord, that you would use them there as you use them here. Such impact. All of us have become uh, better and beneficiaries of the gift of the Gerbers and families like them. So thank you. Father, bless them, we pray, and bless our time. It's in Jesus' name we ask these things together. Amen. Amen. All right. You guys know my standard joke? If the Gerbers owe you money, you better hit them up today. All right? Take a moment, say hello, greet somebody, and then you can have a seat. So last week, a very dear brother in our fellowship sent out a text. He had asked for prayer, and I said, hey, is it okay if I use your name? And so uh, LJ said, yeah, go ahead. (laughs) So LJ was uh, at the gym early in the morning, and uh, he finished his workout, and he came out to only find his car stolen, stolen right out of the parking lot of the gym. And then he also said, hey, pray, because I left my wallet in my glove box. So... Uh, When he sent that out, I thought, okay, Uh, several thoughts flooded my mind kind of in succession. The first was, all right, let's pray. We're going to pray that the car is found intact, that the wallet is not touched, and that whoever took the car would feel guilty, convicted, and just leave it, you know, return it. Um, Just, Lord, would you bless uh, LJ in that way. The second thought was more of a kind of a sinful thought, stretching back to my old olden days, I thought, what kind of car did LJ drive? I wonder if it's easy to break into, you know, and just my (laughs) sinful mind entertaining that thought. Uh, And then I thought, who would steal a car from the gym at five o'clock in the morning? Like, who does that? Like, we're on an island, where are you going to go? How dumb do you have to be to steal a car? You know, and we're on this island. And then I thought, oh, that was me as a kid. (laughs) Ah, Some of you guys know my testimony. I was not a good kid. I I stole cars on this island as a stupid teenager and almost lost my dad his career and a couple stripes a few times. And uh, I was that kind of dummy. And praise the Lord, I don't do that anymore. Uh, But also, let's be real. You're not going to find me at the gym at five in the morning anyways, right? So uh, I think sometimes for us, when we hear those things, especially here in Okinawa, we're shocked not that it happened, but that it happened in our little island paradise, right? Like, no, in Okinawa. Because my daughter, a couple of years ago, when she went to college in Southern California, we bought her a new bike. Uh, she was all excited about it. And her first day of class, she came out, and guess what? Her bike was gone. Someone stole it. And so she called up and said, Dad, someone stole my bike. And I just said, hey, welcome to California, honey. Like, <laughs> life happens. Bad things happen to us, around us, 
And, uh, and often uh, it, it's not, with, you know, it's beyond our control. It's just something that happens to us. Now, we can do what we can do to help prevent that and be wise. We can do what we can do to help prepare ourselves in case it happens. Uh, but sometimes life just sucker punches you. Sometimes uh, you come out, uh, you get a phone call, it's an email, it's a conversation, it's a doctor's visit, uh, you know, and, and all of a sudden life just drops, but the bottom just seems to drop out. It takes a very unexpected left-hand turn, and all of a sudden you are uh, in a new place. The question is, what, what do we do when that happens to you? What, what do you do? How do you, how do you respond? Uh, and does God have anything to say about that? We may not be able to control what happens to us, but we can certainly have some influence and control about how we respond to what happens to us. We can control how we react to that. We can even control what we think about it as it happens and even as we process it. Now, I do want to give, uh, embarrass him a little bit, give kudos to LJ because his response was to pray. He said, hey guys, pray uh, that the car would be found, that the wall would be untouched, and that the thief would feel guilty and convicted. And, uh, and that's what happened. Praise the Lord. His car was found not too long uh, afterwards. His wallet was intact, although they didn't find the person who took it, huh? All right. Uh, when Becca had her bike stolen, uh, she wrote me and said, Dad, or called me and said, Dad, this happened. And, and I said, oh, that's a bummer, babe. And she said, well, maybe they needed it more than I did. And I thought, oh, that's not my response. My, my response was prayer as well, but I confess in the flesh, like, Lord, break their teeth. May they fall down and skin their knee, you know, and that, that was my response. I prayed, I prayed, but it was a different prayer. But what do we do? What do we do? When we encounter these things, any matter and manner of trouble that comes your way, well, it's here in James that he gives us a, a high a high call uh, of what we as followers of Christ should do in response to when hardships come our way. And so we're going to unpack these verses together as we've done, and we'll just take them verse by verse, and some of them we're going to just take word by word. So uh, bear with me as we go through this. He begins, My brethren, consider it or count it all joy when you fall into various trials. So right off the bat, just as he makes his way into this, these topics that he's going to talk about. He addresses them as my brethren, my family, my brothers. Last week, we spent an entire verse on verse 1. Thank you for your patience and endurance with me uh, as we did that. We, took a, we, we said, right, let's take a little bit of a survey. We wanted to find out uh, what is James all about, the time that it's written to give us some context, the theme that it's written to give us some bearing as to where he's going to go. We looked at a little bit of the outline. It's five chapters. All of it deals with faith in various ways. We looked at the author. We noted that he's the half-brother of Jesus. He was the leader of the church in Jerusalem, and yet he didn't bring any of that to the table. He identifies himself as a bondservant, and we said, man, what a great example. Like, regardless of our titles outside of, uh, of church and who we are as Christians, that's, that's our identity. We should be servants of the Lord. Uh, and we looked at his audience as he addresses them to the 12 tribes abroad. And we made note to say that, uh, and even some of his language, that's mostly the majority is talking to Jewish believers. They were uh, Jews who had come out of Judaism, who believed in Jesus as their Messiah. Today we would use the term Messianic Jews, uh, very similar to the audience of the book of Hebrews. And so, but we find out that he is writing, though, primarily to Christians. Well, the majority are Jewish, and it's understandable because it's one of the first books, if not the earliest books that, of the New Testament. So that's primarily who are Christians, if you will, was mostly Jewish Christians, not Gentile Christians yet. The gospel hadn't gone that far out as of yet. And what connected them, though? Why would he address them as brothers? What connected them wasn't necessarily their ethnicity or their passport or the fact of the language that they spoke, but what connected them was their professed faith in Jesus Christ. That's what makes them family. This past Wednesday, we as a church gathered as we do in the first Wednesday of every month, and we have a time of worship, and we have a time of prayer. 
And our time, and our time of prayer varies. Uh, we have various mm, direction the Lord will lead us. This past Wednesday, we prayed for uh, some of the missionaries that we as a church, you guys, uh, we together support and we pray for. If you didn't know this, uh, we, we financially support and pray for uh, more than 14 different missionaries. Uh, a good number of them are families and people that were part of our church that God raised up and sent out. Some of them prior military, like many of you. Uh, some of them weren't. They're just God raised them out, uh, up and sent them out. And so we continue to have a relationship with them. Others are just people we've met along the way and God connected our hearts and we want it to be a blessing, a conduit of God's blessing to them. And so we, if you will, in a sense, tithe of the tithe and we financially and materially and most importantly, prayerfully support uh, these various missionaries. And if you're wondering who they are, at the end of service, when you leave, you just take a bank to the left and look at the wall and that's uh, the number of um, the ones that we, we primarily support. Well, this past Wednesday, we prayed for four, and what I thought was kind of interesting was that uh, one of them was a missionary with Wycliffe Bible Translators. He's a, a graphic illustrator, and God's using him to bring the gospel in many different languages um, through illustration, but based out of North Carolina, that's where Wycliffe is, prior Navy family, by the way. Uh, the other family that we prayed for was the Johnson family in Thailand. Some of you guys remember Pastor Kevin, and he's serving in high-risk combat um, war zone places, bringing the gospel and relief in Burma, uh, Syria, uh, Iraq, uh, and even into the Ukraine. And so we got to hear an update from Kevin and prayed for him and his family. Uh, Pastor Lito, which is Eliezer's dad and mom, um, the, the Guzmans in the Philippines, and just their ministry there in the city, and many to the inner city and um, some of the poor communities, and they, that's where the Christmas shoe boxes that you guys gave, that's where we send them. And then we got to pray for our good brother, Pastor Pascal, in uh, Kampala, Uganda, in Africa. And Pascal was a young man I met many years ago. He was uh, just hungry for the things of the Lord. We as a church supported him through Bible college. And then as he finished Bible college, God led him to plant a church in Kampala. Uh, he's actually originally from Congo. And, uh, and God's doing a great work. And we, if you didn't know this, we as a church support them. And we uh, sent over a larger gift to help them uh, get a building and get established. And so we got to hear from him and his family. And, and I thought, how cool the Lord has blessed us that across the globe, through different ethnicities and racial lines and all these things, uh, what connects us? It's our faith in Jesus Christ. It's the Lord that connects us that we get to be brothers and sisters because of Jesus. And gang, I pause here for a moment because I think it's good for us to remember this. There's so much in our world today that wants to divide us, that wants to separate us, that wants us to get a, us fighting even with each other within the church. And listen, I, I think there's room for healthy discussion, even debate, about the various minor things that we might believe and our methodology and this. But, you know, when we get to heaven, uh, it's going to just be the body of Christ. Every tongue, tribe, and nation will be there. There's not going to be the, the Baptist section and the Pentecostal section and then Calvary, which are kind of in the middle, right? You know, it's just going to be the body of Christ. And yet, sometimes we allow some of these, I'll call them minor minor and petty differences to become major. And then we argue and we infight. And really, that's not the heart of the Lord. And the world right now around us is, loves to stir the pot and try to divide on, on those lines that normally would divide people. Ethnic lines and racial lines and social economic lines and all that stuff. But listen, all of those, all of those differences we recognize, but they're to our advantage. They, they become the display of, the, of our Creator God who made us in different shapes and shades, uh, languages and passports. and that's, We just get to reflect who God is through the various differences that we have. You know, we're in many ways just this beautiful 
uh, tapestry that the Holy Spirit is weaving together that we become then the body of Christ. A very curious thing to the world as they behold us and say, what? look at all those different people. Like what, what's, what's it about them? And we get to say it's Jesus Christ, our faith in the Lord. And so he begins with my brethren, my brethren, family. What does he tell us? Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. And I realize some of our translations will read a little bit different. Uh, some of yours might say consider it uh, when you step into or you come into, and we'll explain some of those word differences. Now, I told you last week that James doesn't waste any time getting to the task at hand. He makes a quick introduction, and right after he introduces himself, he gets quickly to the matters that are pressing his heart. Chapter 1 will kind of read almost like a table of contents. He's going to move from trials to, um, uh, to wisdom and then to um, endurance and then to temptations. And so we'll, we'll talk about all those things as they come. But just that first sentence, I, I don't know about you, but when for me, when I read that, I'm like, no, how can I, how can I count it all joy when I fall into various trials? That, that, that is a difficult thing for me to read and a little bit for me to comprehend. The first part of that sentence would be easy if the second part of that sentence didn't exist. If James completed that thought with something else, if he said, hey family, consider it all joy when you find some extra money in your pocket that you didn't expect. Right? Oh, there's, there's a thousand yen right here. Woohoo! Or consider it all joy when uh, your family got up and made you breakfast today and they washed the dishes. Right? Consider it all joy when you're running a little bit late and uh, you're able to hit green lights more than red. Right? You know, we can add to that list in, a, in an infinite amount of ways. Fill in the blank. When do you consider it all joy? Consider it all joy when you get an extra day off or whatever it may be. It's easy to understand that if, that, if that is how the sentence is finished. Consider all joy when something is good happening to us or for us or around us. But that is not how James finishes his sentence. He says, consider or count it all joy when you fall into various trials. And to me, I think that is not easy. That's not easy. First of all, it seems like a contradiction to me. I do not equate trials and joy. I don't usually put them in the same sentence. I don't associate one with the other. And I think I'm like most people. More, most people, normal people, don't usually associate joy with trials or troubles. Those, those ideas seem to be incompatible. And yet, here we are, brothers and sisters, reading this verse, and the Bible puts them together. And so our job then is to understand what, what does God want us to do then? And how is this possible? First of all, I want you to notice just this connecting word, consider it all joy when, when you encounter troubles. He doesn't say if. James, like the scriptures, really is just a realist. And James knows that trials and troubles in your life and in mine, uh, are inevitable. They are bound to happen. It's not a matter of if they will happen. It's always a matter of when they will happen. Someone once said that we have relationship to trials and troubles in one of three ways. You're either uh, in trouble right now, or you just came out of a trial, or guess what? You're about to go into one. That you're either in one of those three places. And I would agree. I think that's just the reality of life. It's a reality that I, I personally would love to avoid or deny or delay if I can. But James is a realist. He comes out straight and he essentially is just telling us, listen, trials are inevitable. And so we should expect them. And hopefully we come at least to that place where big advantage already if we anticipate and expect, okay, trials are just a part of my life. They're a part of every life, Christian and non-Christian. The difference for us, those believers, is uh, God's going to give us a different perspective about them, a different way to view them. 
And that's where he brings us to that word consider or to count. That word in the original Greek, it's the word hegomai. And it's an action word. It's not passive. It's something for us to do. In some ways, it's also translated as lead or command. Or you go before this. And so what we have to understand is that as we read this, we think, man, that is a tall order. How can I count it all joy when I'm hurting? How can we do that? And so the first thing we understand is it's not a suggestion. It's not like, well, try this out. See if this works for you. No, this is something that God wants us to do. And, and, and the way that the word is structured is that God wants us to take the lead on, to be mindful of, to be active in. Now, what James doesn't tell us, and I want to pause and just remind all of us, all of us on this point, that anytime we come to these imperatives, these commands, these things that Scripture tell us to do, the, what's understood that's sitting there, sometimes it's brought forth, sometimes it's not, is that this is a response of God's love in our life. We do this out of the motive of love. We love God because he first loved us. And so this isn't, you better do this, you have to do these things. This is, we get to do these things out of love. And love becomes the motive of our then obedience. Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commands. The second thing we have to remember what's understood is that we can't do this on our own. It's unnatural for us to consider it all joy when we fall into various trials. This is a function of the Spirit. And in ourselves, we can't do this in our own ability, our own strength. We, we have to rely upon the empowering of God's Spirit in our life to be able to do the things that God is calling us to do. You ever see those TV shows where you see somebody do something amazing or maybe dangerous or complicated, and it'll have a little warning, it'll say, do not attempt this at home. There's a, a label here that's understood that God would say, do not attempt this alone. We have to do this in concert with the Holy Spirit working in our lives as we walk in the Spirit, as we abide in Christ, and we surrender our will to His. That's how this is accomplished. We can't do this on our own ability. This is not natural to us. If you're like me, my natural response to trials is to cry. It's to complain. It's to run away. It's to avoid. It's to deny. It's to pass the blame. It's, it's everything but this. And so we need to understand what God is leading us to do. And sometimes we need to understand, how we can understand is to understand what he's not saying. Let me just give you that. What James is not saying is that pain equals joy. He's not saying that. He's not saying, oh, when you suffer through stuff, then you should be happy about that, that you should find joy in the midst of that as a result of that painful experience. The command is not that you should enjoy your troubles and enjoy your hardships. You know, James isn't like, you know, some of the, like these weirdo people that are like, oh yeah, you know, go for pain and pain, you know, as though pain in itself was uh, a source of pleasure. He's not saying that. He's also not saying, if you're a Christian, just pretend. Fake it till you make it. He's not saying that. And so often that's our approach, isn't it? People ask you how you're doing and, and we, we lie, basically. We're fine. And inside we're not. We're hurting. It's hard. And so James isn't endorsing this grin and bear it and just pretend like nothing's wrong. He's a realist. Hey, it's hard. It's okay to say it's hard. It's not a lack of faith to recognize our struggles and our trials. It, it, <laughs> that's being real. That's being human. Again, what I'll get to, though, is, is our perspective is different. I, I've shared this with you before. Remember that? Oh, this is my notes. Yoko, you ready? When Moses sends out the 12 spies, they go into the land. Ten of them come back. 
has been around, you know my joke, right? They're like, no way, Mose. We can't, there's giants in the land and we're not going to do this. And two of them, Joshua and Caleb, they're like, no, we got this. But they didn't deny reality. They knew there were giants. They recognized, hey, this is hard. This is going to be difficult. And yet they saw it through the perspective of God's perspective. But our God's bigger. And they're able to make the conclusion, they're going to be bread for us. Not a piece of cake. But the idea that it's good for them. They're going to grow by it. Listen, we, we can be tempted to pretend our life is trouble-free, and, and sometimes people do. At least they put on a, an air of that. I don't think social media helps at all. And I'm guilty of it. You know, something you just, it's like, okay, it took me 80 shots to get this one. The coffee's just right, and the Bible, you know, like, present my life in this filtered way, and, and people look on it like, man, I want your life. No, you don't. No, you don't. Don't let my post fool you. You don't want my life. And sometimes we make the mistake to think, oh man, that person's, I want that person's life. I bet if you went and talked with them, you wouldn't want their life. And so it's perspective, and that's what James brings us into. When he says count, or your Bible might say consider, it's, it's, a, it's a matter of proper perspective. It's a matter of evaluation. It's the idea of of reckoning, considering, you're looking at this. And how do you look at this? Well, you look at it through the lens of heaven. That's how it brings you to the place of joy. We will not be able to arrive where God wants us to go. We will not be what God wants us to be if we don't first look at our lives from his perspective. And that is true in every part of our Christian walk, beginning with who we are in the Lord. And unless you and I can see with clarity, we won't be able to respond with certainty. We'll be wishy-washy. We'll be uncertain. And really, I think it's, as in most things in life, and, and certainly spiritually, the right perspective is necessary for the right response. How do we look at this thing? And so we first understand what James is not saying. He's not saying, look at your trials as the source of joy. By the way, notice too that he recognizes we all go through a variety of stuff. He calls it various trials. Sometimes what another person is going through, we, we tend to evaluate and say, wow, that's heavy, that's hard. And from our evaluation, it, it can be. But God recognizes, and the Scripture recognizes, and James lets us know, oh, it, it can be any matter of trouble and trials. It may be difficult for you in this season, maybe it won't be next season, or maybe it wasn't last season, and maybe it's different from what the person sitting next to you or behind you looks like. Like, life's challenges sometimes are big, sometimes they're small. Sometimes they're short, and sometimes they're chronic, right? They're sustained. And, and we can make a, a never-ending list of what hardships look like. This, how do we define various trials? Well, I imagine if we all got to stand up and share a little bit of the things that we've struggled with and the things that have brought us sleepless nights and stresses, it would be quite the list. And at least in my Bible, in the New King James... We read when we fall into various trials, and, and to read that in English, it seems like, oh, it's something that like we've been trapped, or we've, all of a sudden it surprised us. Well, it encompasses that, but the, the root there also means, the idea of that word means to when we come into. And sometimes we can come into it because we've caused it. The trouble you're facing may be just the consequence of your own decisions, of your own sin your own inaction, and we, we face those things. Sometimes the drama we face is because somebody else made a poor decision. Somebody else 
who we are connected to, they made a, de- a bad decision. They made the sinful act. And now we're just dealing with the fallout of that. And it forces us then to have to do something that we weren't expecting to do. And other times, it's just life, and life will sucker punch you. We just chalk it up to think, this is unfair. How is this happening? We, we fall into those things. We walk into those things. We create those things. It encompasses all of that. And everybody goes through it. Every human being on planet Earth goes through these hard things. I wish I could say, hey, as Christians, we have a promise that we'll never have any troubles again. Wouldn't that be awesome? And yet that's not the promise God's given us. The promise looks a lot different. The promise is God's going to work through them. God's going to produce something as a result of those things that we go through. And so what makes us a little different then? What do we have? Well, we have perspective. God says, hey, put on these spiritual glasses and you get to look at your life in the totality of life. Right? It's, a, it's a worldview that we come into when we come into faith. How you view your marriage, that should change. That should be different than how the world views it. How you view your season of single, singleness, that looks different than how the world views it. How you view parent, parenthood, how you view your work, as a place of your mission, how you view time, how you view your money, how you view all really, I mean, all of it is impacting. And guess what is impacted? How you view your drama, how you view your trials, how you view your troubles. You get a new perspective on that too. And that's what God gives us. And we get to see then where James will bring us the quality of our faith. It's not necessarily revealed when life is great. It's not necessarily revealed when we just have success after success after success. It's not necessarily revealed when we experience the supernatural. Well, we have those things, but that's not necessarily when our faith and the quality of our faith is revealed. What is our faith in Jesus Christ? One of the things, the blessings and the benefits that it brings to us? Well, it's revealed when things get rough. When life gets tough. When you hit big bumps and major setbacks and terrible disappointments and hardships. When that comes your way, when the bottom falls out, that's when the quality of our faith gets revealed. I've told you, the, I've told many of you the, the story, so I apologize if you've heard it before, but some of you are new and you're visiting, so yes. <laughs> Several years ago, I thought I was dying. So I told Christy, I'm dying. Uh, I love you. Call the kids in. I'm going to say my goodbyes. Um, she called the ambulance. The ambulance came to my house. When they showed up, they brought what I thought looked like a skateboard. It's their version of a stretcher, right? It's their version of the gurney. It looked like a skateboard on an ironing board with little wheels. And as I'm coming down, you know, I have some girth units. I'm like, no way. No way I'm going to get on that thing. And they're like, oh, no, you're motioning me. Like the paramedics are, get on. We're going to put you in the ambulance. And so I, I didn't trust it. I just kind of put one leg and one cheek on that thing, and I kind of scooted it. And I felt like, okay, I can hold my weight. And then I lifted my leg to give it a little test. And then I thought, how are they going to lift me and put me in the back of this, this cab? I don't know. <laughs> I didn't think it was going to hold me. I had to test it first. Okay, our faith gets tested. And the quality then of our faith, it is revealed when it gets tested. It's tests that help us to see It's tests that then bring us into this perspective, and we then put on God's glasses, if you will, and look at it for what it is and to realize, okay, God's using this. How can we consider all joy when we fall into various trials? Well, Because God says, look at it as I look at it. 
Well, by the way, all joy doesn't mean some of it's joyful and some of it's not. You can complain about some and murmur about some, but not others. It's totality, full and complete. If we do this in the natural, people are going to think you're crazy. Or we can realize, oh, we, we are in possession of something that the world doesn't possess. It's perspective. It's a spiritual perspective. You've had spiritual LASIK surgery. You can see now. And what your perspective once was when it came to trials and everything else in your life, guess what it is now? It should be radically altered because of the gospel, because of Jesus Christ in your life. How everything we view, that includes our troubles. And added to that, he says, knowing, verse 3, knowing that the testing of your faith is doing something, it's producing something. And so we have perspective, but we also have knowledge. This idea that we can be assured, confident that this is true. And so we look at trials, and trials in themselves aren't like, okay, yeah, I'm happy because this is happening. No, we can count it joy because of the process that God is using that trial. It, it, it is the building tools, it's the building blocks, it's the mechanism and the means in which God is making you and me mature, growing us in our faith. And so then our perspective can be, this obstacle is hard, it hurts, we don't deny reality, but it's an opportunity. It's an opportunity to witness God's goodness and His grace, His provision, and strengthening you and me. It becomes the soil in which the fruit of the Spirit can grow. And so not only does trials uh, reveal the quality of our faith, but the quality of our faith can also be strengthened in trial. It plays a dual role. Tests reveal and tests can strengthen. And again, we understand that in the natural, don't we? A couple, uh, last week I went to the doctor's and uh, I was having some weird chest pain stuff and I was telling Christy and I shared with some of you and, and so I, went, I had got my blood work done, I had some heart tests done and uh, so I was feeling a little extra tired and feeling like kind of anxious at night and so Christy's like, hey, you better go get that checked out and make sure the life insurance is paid and, you know, those are her priorities. And so I went. I went, I had a series of tests done, blood work and EKG and echo and stress tests, all, you know, just this whole battery of tests. At the end, I sat down with my doctor, my doctor, uh, wonderful Japanese doctor, Okinawan doctor, and he said, Barneto-san, uh, you have very good heart. I was like, yes. You know. Then he said, uh, you can tell your wife no heartbreak. I'm like, oh, good. Tell her not to break my heart. I'll tell her that. It's a test. It's a test that reveals, at least for me, it's a condition of my physical heart. I was able to see, I was able to understand, I was able to uh, see what I didn't previously see. I was able to try to figure out, okay, well, how, how am I feeling the way I'm feeling if uh, this doesn't seem to match? And so that's what tests do in our life too. We get to, it reveals then where we're at. Areas that we need to, maybe there's a place that we need, you know, to be strengthened in. Or we're doing well, but it needs to be fortified. The doctor said, hey, uh, you need to, you know, continue to exercise and try to keep your heart strong and stronger. Well, how do I do that? It's a different kind of test. It's still a test, though. You know, it's stressing it. It's straining it. It's pushing it. We've talked before. Faith is like a muscle. It can become weakened. We can atrophy in faith, or it can be stronger. It can be strengthened. It can grow. And when we understand that that's God's intention for us, that God wants us to grow, mature, the idea of being perfect is the idea of maturing in the Lord, growing from grace to grace. That's God's heart for you and for me. And guess what? He uses then faith or excuse me, uses trials as one of those things to strengthen our faith. 
And God says, when you understand that, when you can see that, that's how you can arrive at being not just okay, but being joyful about it. Knowing that God is doing this. Knowing that those hardships are being used by God to make us stronger. So God uses testing and trials as the process. It's the process to perfect us. So we have this perspective. We have the perspective of the process. And again, we understand that in the natural. Some of you, like LJ, get up early in the morning and go to the gym. And you, of your own accord, by your own choice, you willingly stress and strain and push and punish your bodies. Running on the treadmill, riding the bike, swimming, lifting weights. Because you know the science of, okay, I'm going to stress and break down this muscle and and as it rebuilds, it grows stronger. There's flexibility, there's endurance, there's mass to it. It produces something, I would imagine, desirable at the end. That's why you punish yourselves. We understand that in the natural. There's, we give great value to the end product, so we will endure the process to get us to the end product. My wife's been working out. And now she works out the next day and after, she's like moaning and groaning and whimpering and, ah, oh, this hurts. And I'm like, why do you do that to yourself? She's like, I love it. I'm like, you don't love that. You love because you want buns of steel. That's what you want to do, right? That's where you... <laughs> and we understand that in the natural. We punish ourselves over and over again because we give value to the end product. Do you understand that? I mean, that principle translates to our spiritual life. What we esteem, what we hold of great value, it will determine then what we're willing to endure, what we're willing to suffer through, what we're willing to be, all right, I'm going to go through this. But the opposite, listen, I say this in love, if you, comfort, uh, if you value comfort and you uh, value ease more than you, com- you value character, more than you value maturity, then trials are going to mess you up. You're going to get sideways when, when the bottom falls out. If you and I esteem material gains, if that, if that is the, the means in which we think we're going to attain contentment and joy, and have, I'm going to go get all this stuff, I just need more, if that is more important to you than spiritual gain, when you encounter a trial you're not going to consider it all joy. Your attitude and mine will be huh, the opposite of joy. Right? If we make life living about just present pleasures and not realizing that we have a destiny and a future, the hope of heaven, Christ is coming back soon, if that's not part of the equation, then yes, every hardship that you and I encounter if that's our perspective, if that's what we value and we don't value heaven, guess what? It's going to make you bitter. That's the product. That's what gets produced. And you know people like that, don't you? And it's something we fight against. I, I'm, not, I'm not any different. And yet we have Jesus himself, the great example for us. We are just in Hebrews, many of us, right? Hebrews 12, 2, that we then... Look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. Arrived, sitting down at the right hand of the Father. So we have this great model, an enabler in the Lord and his spirit. And it's not just James that says this. Peter says the same thing. Peter 1.1, 1, 1, it's almost a paraphrase of James 1. Paul says in Romans 5, not only this, we rejoice even in our sufferings. And he expands this list, knowing that our sufferings produce perseverance, and perseverance produces character, and character produces hope. And he says, and hope does not disappoint. And here's one I love. It's 2 Corinthians 4.17. Do you know that verse? If I can give us a verse to memorize, it would be that. 2 Corinthians 4.17. Paul says, for our light and momentary afflictions are working for us an eternal weight of glory. It's a great verse. 
to remember that, uh, and those are relative terms, light and momentary. Light being not heavy, momentary being not long. It's a perspective. In the grand scheme of life, the things that we go through, it's a bump in the road. This too shall pass. It's light and momentary, but what is it doing? It's working for us. It's working for us. And that's what James tells us. It's verse 4, that these trials, guess what? God uses them. They're working for us. And so we then can come into a place of joy and faith and being okay because we realize the process God's using, it's painful, it's frustrating, I want to quit, I don't like it, it's difficult, and all the emotions that come with that. But God's working, it's working for us. By the way, we have to be careful. See, having this knowledge helps to temper our emotion. Now, God's given us feelings, God's given us emotions, we're entitled to those things. They help express then what we're thinking and feeling. But, but the danger for all of us is that we're led by emotion. That we then make that the determiner of our reaction and our response. That's often a bad thing. When you and I respond in emotion and feelings. And so knowing this, understanding this, that helps to put, you know, turns down the volume of our feelings. Paul says in Romans 8.28, see, we know that all things work together for, for our good. God's glory, working together, that's the phrase he uses, for those who are called according to his purposes. In verse 4 he says, then let patience have its perfect work that you may be mature, complete, lacking nothing. We can have joy because we understand a perspective of what God's doing with our trials. We can understand there's a process that God's working out. And last week, I understand there's a product. It's bringing us to something. And God promises that it's going to be a good thing that he wants to do in and through your life. And that word patience, in your Bible might be translated perseverance. The idea is, okay, let it, let it do what God's designed it to do. You ever heard that saying, though, never pray for patience? Why? Because how is patience produced? I wish God could just bypass and just put patience into my account. You're more patient. You know how we often get more patient? When it tries your patience. It's something that's stressful. It's something you don't like. That's how our patience grows. And you hear the Lord says, He knows what we need. The saying is that good things come to those who wait. And part of it is just letting God do what he wants to do. I don't know about you, but sometimes I want to like speed that up. Lord, let's go. I'm done already. Pull me out of the microwave. I'm good. I've learned that lesson. Why do I got to take that class again? Here's what God is saying. It's worth the wait. Many things in our life are not worth the wait. We think they are, right? We stand in line. We spend this money. We get the product. We get the experience. We're like, man, that was a waste. I want my money back. That was our time loss. Why did I watch this movie? There goes my, you know, my afternoon. God says, I promise that nothing will be wasted. That he's working, what he's working in you is worth the wait and it's worth the pain. And the product that's rendered, maturity, contentment, everything that we need. Let me close with this. I want to beat the bell. Anybody here a fan of jigsaw puzzles? All right, you're my people. Okay, three of you, four of you. Same thing, first service. I'm not a fan of jigsaw puzzles, but I understand the appeal. My, my mother-in-law is a fan, and so, Mom, happy Mother's Day. Uh, and I understand. I understand the appeal, the sense of accomplishment. You're done with the puzzle. You're like, yeah, look at that. And even some people, like, spray it and mat it, and you, you know, I get it. Life is like a puzzle at times. Life will hand you some pieces that when you look at it, you're like, I don't, this doesn't make sense. When my kids were younger, we had different puzzles, and sometimes they would get mixed up. And you're like, this puzzle doesn't belong in this, you know, this piece doesn't belong in this box. Sometimes we think that when things come our way. This, how does this fit? 
this doesn't make any sense. Why am I hurting? Why did I suffer this loss? Why, why is my family going through this? Why didn't I get promoted? What's going on? This piece doesn't seem to fit with the rest of my life. And sometimes we want to just discard it. The promise of God to you and to me is it will make sense. It will fit. God's going to use it to complete the picture that he's wanting to build in your life. As puzzle people, you make, you've completed it, it matches the picture in the box. What's the picture in the box for us as Christians? What is God working in you and me, bringing us to maturity and perfection? Oh, there's the bell. I'll give you the picture. It's Christ-likeness. That's what God's working in you, to make you and me like Jesus. And guess what? He uses pain and problems and difficulties and trials. It's one of the tools that he uses. But we don't have to fret. We don't have to complain. We don't have to run away. We can, in his spirit, consider it all joy when we encounter these various trials with the knowledge of knowing the process God's using it to make you and me more like Jesus. The perspective, the process, the product, or the promise, and the product. We can have joy. Amen? Amen. All right. I didn't beat the bell. Let me pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word, so rich. God, I pray that this perspective would be our perspective. Sometimes those... <laughs> That verse is hard to read and it's hard to hear, especially when we're in the midst of going through hard things. But Lord, we realize it's not, a, um, it's not just a, a pleasantry. It, it, it's life. And you recognize that at times it hurts. We carry these wounds and scars and frustrations disappointments. But Lord, thank you that you, you're the lifter of our heads. That we, we get to see where our, our help comes from, from the maker of heaven and earth. And you allow us to then see those things as you see those things. To consider it. And to realize, Lord, that you, you're working through the process of this pain the promises you're going to work all things, even when it seems like it's a piece that doesn't fit in our life right now. It's a piece that we don't want, we didn't ask for. But Lord, your promise is that it will complete the good work that you've began in us to bring us into Christ-likeness. And so, Lord, in that, may we find our joy in that, Lord, may we surrender to you and what you want to do in our lives. We love you and we praise you. In your name, amen. Amen. All right. Happy Mother's Day, moms.